it means to seated in the presence of the Lord. It's a powerful way to enter the month of worship His Majesty. And henceforth, July becomes our month of worship His Majesty. Amen. The theme scripture for this month is Ephesians 5 and verse 19. And I want you to make this your daily scripture and your daily lifestyle. Wherever you find yourself in the world, speaking to yourselves, it didn't say to one another, it said to yourselves. Yourself, singular, then yourselves, plural. That is, I speak to myself, you speak to yourself. In Psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. This will be our guiding scripture for everything we do this month. And it has been a glorious one from day one. Glory be to God. Thank you choir for that beautiful time of worship. Again, I want to remind us that it's also our season of the mid-year fast. The fasting and prayer started three days ago. Today being day three. And we are on till the 15th of this month. So if you are watching or listening from any part of the world, you want to be part of this, take advantage of this moment. Every day we come at 5.30. And we pray from 5.30 to 6.45. And at 6.45, we dismiss the service, and then we go and break our fast. So I want to encourage you, make sure you take advantage of this season. Take advantage of what the Lord is doing and what the Lord is saying this season. I'll be encouraging us along these lines with the message this morning to prepare our hearts. If you haven't started fasting, I want you to start and hold on to God. And watch him do in your life what no man can do. Much more importantly, I want us to seek encounters with God. And that's what I'll be speaking about this morning. So I have for the title, Encounters with King Jesus. Encounters with King Jesus. It is the month of worship his majesty. So this morning there are three things happening. Worship his majesty. Communion service. And then... I'm teaching and preaching on encounters with Jesus. We are going to be having encounters with King Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go with me to Matthew 17. I trust the Lord that in this service and in the second service when his vessel that he has prepared will be ministering, we will be blessed beyond measure. I said beyond measure. Matthew 17, just seven verses, 14 to 21. And when they were come to the multitude, There came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. 
for he is lunatic and so vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oftentimes into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples and they could not, they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus, King Jesus, rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? A very pertinent question. That everyone that desires to go far with God needs to ask. When things are not working in your life, it is not time to go to the herbalist. It is not time to be asking Google. Google doesn't have the answer to your destiny. Your destiny has not been programmed inside Google. Your destiny has been programmed inside the word of God. So you go to him that has the answer. You go to your source. The fountain of your life. Your parents are not your source. Mm -mm. Your parents are the channels through whom you came from the source. The source is God himself. Psalm 36 and verse 9. For with you is the fountain of life. The fountain means the source or the spring. And in your light shall we see light. So sometimes you might not even be able to walk in the light of your parents. You go to the source. Every good gift, like you. Are you a good gift? Come and talk to me. Are you a good gift? Every good gift and every perfect gift, James 1.17, comes down from the Father, the Father of heavenly light, with whom there is neither variableness nor shadow of turning. The Father is the source. So you must go to him. When things are not working the way they should work. When your spiritual life is not going the way it should go. When your financial life is not going the way it should go. When your academic life is not going the way it should go. Go back to the source. They came to him and they asked him a pertinent question. How come we could not cast him out? That means before this time, they must have been able to cast out some devils. So how come this particular one? Why did we fail this time? You've been having answers to your prayers, but why this particular prayer point, why has it been stubborn? Why have I not been able to turn things around here? Why am I not enjoying encounters with God anymore like I used to? Why are things now going topsy-turvy in my life? Why could not we cast them out? And Jesus answered and said unto them, verse 20, it was very direct. I love Jesus. He doesn't play pranks. He doesn't have time for gimmicks. Straight to the point. He said, because of your unbelief. Straight up. Unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence, to yonder place, and it shall remove. 
It didn't say it might probably remove. It shall. All you need is not even faith like a mountain. Mountain-sized faith. No. A mustard seed grain size of, of faith will move a mountain. You don't need a mountain size of faith to move a mountain. All you need, Jesus said, is a mustard seed. I've seen a mustard seed before. Some of you might have seen it before. It is so small that if you put it in your palm, you have to be very careful to watch it. It is almost microscopic. Jesus said that's what you need. And you shall tell a mountain in your life, your health, in your finances, in your work with God, in your academics, in your relationship, whatever stands as a mountain, is that just that mustard seed shape, mustard seed size rather, of faith, you would tell that mountain, now, move from here, I want you to go over there, yonder place. You tell it where to go, and it goes there. <laughs> wow. Listen, the master was still talking here. And he added this, which I love very much. A few things shall be impossible unto you. Did he say that? What do you have in your Bible? Jesus said, well, you can do certain things, but some things are, are going to be impossible. Did he say that in your Bible? What did he say shall be impossible? Nothing. Nothing means no thing shall be impossible to you. But look, let's be honest with ourselves. The reverse is the case in many of our lives. In fact, it looks as if nothing is, nothing is possible. It looks everything is impossible. How do you gravitate from everything is impossible to nothing is impossible? Jesus said, by faith. By faith. Then he added in verse 21. How be it? This is like saying, nonetheless, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now we need to be careful here because many people have said that Jesus was saying that this type of demon cannot go out but by prayer and fasting. And so I don't understand the kind of demon that we go without prayer and fasting and the one that we go by prayer and fasting. That wasn't what Jesus was saying. Remember, he said it straight to them. Why couldn't we cast him out? Because of your unbelief. So he was still hammering on that one point of unbelief. There are times you have unbelief in your heart and you are the last to know it. You are harboring it there and it's so subtle. It's a subtle kind of unbelief. Sometimes it could come by you just observing the bigness of your situation. I know God has been faithful before. I know he's done it before. I know he's delivered me before. But this one I'm looking at, it doesn't look like God is able to do it. But then you're praying. And you're asking the institution to go, but it's not bulging. Why? Because of your unbelief. And in the same breath, Jesus said, but this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Listen, folks, I don't care who tells you what. Prayer and fasting is a platform for you to seek deep 
encounters with Jesus. And when you have those encounters, faith comes. Are you with me? I say it again. The time for prayer and fasting is not the time to be gallivanting all over town. The time for prayer and fasting is the time to come to a secluded place and seek deep encounters with Jesus one-on-one. 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 So when you have those encounters, faith comes because faith comes by the words of Jesus. You remember in Matthew chapter 6? And in verse 6, and also in verse 16, Jesus spoke about fasting and praying. Now, let me talk about the praying first of all. It is not just the congregational prayer that we pray in the evening together that gets the job done. When you are seeking personal encounters with Jesus, it has to be one-on-one. One, you don't even go with a friend. One-on-one. So don't waste all of the hours of the day chatting on Facebook and, uh, you know, Twitter and all of these vanities of life and neglect your own one-on-one encounter with Jesus. It is that prayer you pray in your closet that will be rewarded in the open. So go there. Matthew chapter 6 now. Let me show you. Matthew 6 and verse 5. And when thou prayest... Thou shalt not be as the hypocrite. Don't be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the, of the streets. That they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Some people like to pray in the open for people to see them. To notice that they are praying. Jesus said, you already have your reward. You like to pray and disturb the old neighborhood. You won't let them sleep at night. You have your reward already. How did he say you should pray? Verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, but you, when you pray, enter into your closet. In America, what they call a closet is a very small room where they dump their clothes. Some do laundry there. Some put clothes that have been dry cleaned. They keep them there. The ones that have been used, they also keep them in a separate basket there in the closet. The closet is usually a very small room. And some have turned that closet to, the, to their prayer room. And I love that. If you have seen the movie War Room, that woman won the battle in the closet. In the closet. Remember a particular scene where they wanted to, a couple wanted to buy a house. And they were going to buy the house that had been used by people who prayed. The man entered the closet, he reversed. He entered again, he reversed. He entered again, he reversed. He said, who lived here? And then he got to know the story of how somebody used to be in that closet to pray. I can't even remember who used to pray there. Whether it was a grandmother or a young man, I can't even remember. But somebody used to pray there. Some people paste scriptures, and I will get to that this morning. They paste scriptures on their wall. They write them on paper, paste them on the wall. These are promises from God that they are standing on. And when you have that word of promise, I told you last week, what do you do with the prophetic blessing? You war with it. 
When you take a promise from God, from the word of God, you war. You go to war with it. You don't go to sleep. We have a generation today who don't know how to pray, but they know how to argue. Argument is the ministry of many people here. In this generation, not in this church, I mean in this generation. Argument. Abusing people. Tongue-glassing elders. Tearing down other people's messages. They have the ministry of criticism. They don't have the ministry of reconciliation. I don't know where they got that from. Of course, from the devil. The prayer closet is where destinies are molded. That's where you shape your future. That's why you tell your future what it should look like. So that you are not surprised when you get to the future. I hope you know that surprises are of two types. There is pleasant one, there is unpleasant one. Some get to their future and they are surprised. They are so disappointed. They say, why is my life like this? Now you are surprised. Get into the closet today. And begin to decree what you want the future to be like. Now, I am going to have foreign education. I am going to have scholarship. I'm going to have grants. I'm going to do a research on grants. I am going to get married. I'm going to have children. They are going to be beautiful and handsome. I'm going to be blessed and prosperous. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to be a captain of industry and use my office to preach the gospel. Shaping your future. And all of that done on the platform of fasting and prayer. Not just eating burger all over town and then wasting time, the remaining time on social media. The little time remaining. Jesus said when you pray, listen, enter into your closet. You know what the Jews do? The Jewish people, this word closet, what they do is that they have what is called prayer shawl. You see, every Jewish person you see, they have their prayer shawl. Especially the rabbis. The rabbis wear it on their coat. Now when they want to pray, if I had known I would do this, I would have brought mine. They wear that shawl and they use it to cover the sides of their face, both sides, like this. So when they are praying, they can't look left, they can't look right. This, the shawl has blocked their left view and their right view. They said, that is my, that's their own closet. They have entered their closet. Why? To avoid distractions. Some are praying, even in the church. That's rascality. Pentecostals do that. We do that a lot. Visit the Anglican church. Visit our parents, our grandparents' church. When it is prayer time, some of those mamas and grandpas, they go on their knees and focus. They believe they're in the presence of God. Their phone does not ring. But this generation is too tech. Idiot. Are you talking to the God of heaven or you are talking to yourself? It has to be a pocket God you are talking to. It can't be the God of heaven. Jesus gave us the recipe. You want to get answers to your prayer, baby? It's very simple. Enter into your closet. Now, he said that when you have shut thy door, he said don't just enter the closet, shut the door. Alone with God. About to wrestle. Shut the door. Pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret shall reward you secretly. How will he reward you? Openly. 
we engage. This season is a season for you to engage. One point I'm making today. To engage in deep encounters with King Jesus. And I will tell you how. And then we close it and then we pray. This season. Let me show you a scripture from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 30 and verse 21. Jeremiah 30 and verse 21. Thank you. And their nobles shall be of themselves. And their governor shall proceed from the midst of them. That's some elevation right there. Nobles shall be of themselves. And their governor shall proceed from the midst of them. And I will cause him to draw near. And he shall approach unto me. For who is this? God was asking. For who is this? Who is this guy? Who is this lady? That engaged his heart to approach unto me, saith the Lord. Who is this person? Who is this that engaged his heart to approach unto me? This is what we do in fasting. It's not hunger strike. You engage to know God more. You engage to seek his face, not just for answers to your prayers, but to know him. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Daniel 11.32 says, but the people that do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploit. I charge you, Expression House, these 15 days, see it as an opportunity to engage in deep Deep encounters with God. Stop drowning in shallow waters. Get into the deep things of God. The deep things of God only come by revelation of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 and from verse 10. Can we look at it very quickly? Who is this that has engaged his heart to know me, to approach unto me? 1 Corinthians 2. And from verse 10. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things. Yea, the shallow things of God. Come and talk to me, George. What do you have there? The deep things of God. These are the days to know the deep things. Don't wait till you are 50. These are the days to know and to engage the deep things of God. And when God sees the student in you, he will bring the teachers in life. When God sees the hunger of your heart, he will bring the satisfaction of your soul. When God sees how thirsty you are, he will fill you with the living water and you shall not be thirsty anymore. For he that believeth in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. Can I have an amen to that? Let me show you a scripture that is very popular. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. I want to say to everyone watching online, everyone listening, if you're having any infirmity in your heart, in your life rather, this morning, I want you to know that it's not the will of God. The will of God is your healing. The will of God is your restoration. The will of God is your prosperity. The will of God is longevity for each of us. God doesn't have a bad will for some people and then good will for some people. He's not a bad God. He's a good God. We know that too much already in this church. We know too much that God is a good God. And I love my German friends. Who say guten, guten, God is good or guten, whichever. 
Is it good is better? Good is better. God is good. That is God is good. God, G-O-T-T, East, I-S-T, good, G-U-T-E. By revelation. Not, not just in the head. If you know it by the head, when things bad, you know, bad things happen, you start arrogating that to God. I say, God, why? And you open your eyes and you see this happening now. But when you know by heart, you know that these two shall pass. Can I have an amen? You say to yourself, Romans 8, 28, for we know that how many things work together? All things, including this one, work together for good, for good, for good, because God is good, for good, because I have been called by God and he loves me. All things work together for good to them that love God and to them who have been called according to his purpose. So you know that God's plan is good. Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, for I know the plans that I have for you, see the Lord. They are plans of good and not of evil. In the KJV, he said, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, see the Lord. They are thoughts of peace. Thoughts of shalom. The word interpreted peace is the word shalom, which means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. Those are my thoughts towards you. Every day I think about you, I want your school fees paid. I want your health in place. I want your future settled. I want everything in your life balanced. I want you happy. See the Lord. That's what I want. That's what I think. I don't look at you and see how to punish you. Religion made many people, made many of us to see God that way many, many years ago. But thank God for encounters. He said, there are thoughts of good and not of evil, of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Can I ask you, George, do you have an expected end? Okay. Do you have an expectation? Do you have an idea how you want your life to pan out eventually in your Late 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s and 60s and 70s to 120. Do you have an expectation? God said, I am committed to that. One time the devil told me, you'll be homeless. You'll be so broke that the broke will call you broke. It was a thought. He fired it as an arrow. I fired it back to him. Today we shout, we are blessed. So blessed that the blessed call us blessed. Can I have an amen to that? The devil's thoughts are always of evil. He will tell people you will run mad. Now, begin to run mad now. One man went to smoke Igbo. He told me this himself. Say, after smoking, the devil now told him, now you need to pour water on your head. So he got water and poured on his head because his head was very hot. Then the devil told him, now, enough water. You have taken enough water. He drank water, then he put water on his head. Then the devil said to him, now, run. Begin to, that's the market over there. Run into that market. He said, at that point, God had mercy on him. Because he knew if he had run into the market, that would have been the final. He would have been mad for life. That's the devil's plan. He will be the one to tempt you. He will be the one to give you disease. And he will be the administrator of the disease. And when you try to pray, you'll be the one to condemn you. Why do you want to pray? You know what you did, how you got this disease. You acquired it. It is called acquired immune deficiency syndrome. Acquired. That's the meaning of AIDS. Acquired immune deficiency syndrome. AIDS is just going on its own. You acquired it. But God is a good God. Can I have an amen to that? When God is looking at us every now and then, he's looking at us through the lens of the blood of Jesus. And he's looking at his own righteousness. Because we are the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. 
And so what he's thinking about us is good, 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 good every time. And when bad, bad, bad is happening, the devil will say, you see, you see your God though, he's looking at you, he's the one causing it. The devil will even pitch you against God and make you blame God for where you are. God is not your problem. Can I have an amen? Let me tell you, nobody this morning, say God is not your problem. Say God is not your enemy. God is working for you. Can I have an amen tonight? Now, we've seen God's plan in Jeremiah 29, 11. The same plan is revealed. Don't take it away, media. The same plan is revealed in 3 John verse 2. In your Bible, please open to 3 John verse 2 and read out loud and put your name there. Beloved, now, my name is Fred. Now, I'm beloved PFE. Alright? So I'm going to read it this way. I'm going to say, beloved PFE, the Lord prays above all things that you, beloved PFE, may prosper. Can I have an amen to that? You guys don't love me. I said, can I have an amen to that? Amen. That beloved PFE may prosper and be in health till 120. Even as beloved PFE's soul, PFE soul prospers. Can I have a better amen? amen? Now put your name there now. Read it out loud. Out loud. If you are not ashamed of the gospel, read it out loud. Yeah? One, two, go. Is that how much you love yourself? Why are you making it so quiet? Out loud. Beloved Onyinye, beloved Cynthia, beloved Oriofe, beloved, you put your name there, beloved, don't you go? The Lord prays. One translation say wish. One translation say praise. The Lord prays above all things that you, beloved Ijama, will prosper and you, beloved Ijama, will be in health. Somebody say in health. Even as the soul of beloved Ijama prospers. That is the will of God. Can I have an amen to that? I love the Jewish people. Do you know how they greet? Me, you come. I just learned this. God said in Genesis 6-3, my spirit will not always strive with man because he is flesh. Alright? He said, but the number of his days shall be 120. And if you go down to Deuteronomy 34, where Moses died, it was Moses in Psalm 90 that said the number of our days shall be 70. And if by reason of strength, 80. Because the people in the wilderness had sinned. They were very rebellious and very stubborn. God said to them, go right. They said, no, we're not going right. We're going left. God said, okay, now go left. They said, no, we're not going left. We're going right. Very rebellious people. So they began to die. They themselves began to confess. Our days shall be 70. Our days shall be 70. If by reason of strength, 80. So Moses crowned it for them. The Moses that crowned it, he himself lived up to 120. Deuteronomy 34 and maybe verse 12. Let me check it in my Bible. Let me check it. Let me check it. And the Bible says, his eyes were not dim. He didn't have to wear glasses. Neither was his natural force abated. Now, hallelujah, I got there. Deuteronomy 34 and verse 7. Verse 7. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. 
Give me that scripture in NIV. Media, you are blessed this morning. I love you. NIV. Give it to me in NIV. And I want everybody to read, read out loud. Everybody. One, two, go. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. In the name of Jesus, your eyes will not be weak. Your strength will not be gone. In the name of Jesus. If your eyes are already weak, may they be strengthened this morning. In the name of Jesus. Give, it that, give that to me in NLT. New Living Translation. NLT, please. Let's read everybody. Moses was 120 years. How old? Was it 39? 52? 73? How many years? 120 years old when he died. Yet, his eyesight was clear. Seven up. Clear. And he was as strong as ever. At 120, Moses was still bouncing. Can I have an amen? This is the best way to go to heaven. Bouncing. And his eye, his sight was clear. Anyone that has issues with their sight this morning, receive the touch of God on your eyes. In the name of Jesus, I curse everything called glaucoma from the root now in the name of Jesus. Hypermetropia die in the name of Jesus. Myopia die in the name of Jesus. His eyesight was clear. I can see clearly now. Give that to me in AMPC. Amplified classic version. Quickly. 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 Let's read everybody. Want to go? Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. To abate is to reverse. His natural force did not reverse. So if Moses held you at 40 with force, with strength, he held you at 120, you will be held. I knew a woman who died at 101. When she was 100 years old, I was the MC at her birthday. She was walking around by herself. At 100. She went to the toilet by herself. She didn't need help to clean up. <laughs> Wake up in the morning, she would sing her praises to God. She loved to sing to God. She would eat a watermelon. If she held you, she had a firm grip, you will be held. Mama, let's help you. No, no, no. Don't worry, don't worry. She went home at 101, gallant, strong, like a soldier. She was not on special medications. She was not on high BP medications. Today at 28, at 23, 25, 32, people are on BP drugs. I cast that from the root in the name of Jesus. This is how the Jews greet. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. That's how they greet. Now, get up from your seat, everybody. Go around and greet people this morning. You greet them saying, Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Go around, go around, everybody. Go around. Go around. Go around, greet. Go, 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 go. Shalom. 
may you live up to 120 like Moses. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. <laughs> come on, come on. Leave your comfort zone. Go. Those of you on the right, go to meet the people on the left. Left, go and meet the people on the right. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Come on, come on, baby girl. Come, come, come. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. My wife, come, 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 come. We're going to be 120 together. Glory be to God. Come on, come on. Don't you go? Come, come, come. Greet me. Come, 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 come. Before my wife gets here. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. The wife of my youth, Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Come on, come on, come on, my friend. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Praise Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Can I have an amen to that? How does that sound, church? Give God a shout of praise this morning. Come, Dio. Dio, come, come, come. Shalom. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Come, Peniel. And we are breaking curses this morning. Shalom, Peniel. My very good friend, may you live up to 120 like Moses. <laughs> Glory! You may please be seated. God bless you. I'm not done. We're having service extraordinary. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now go back to that Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. And I'm going to show you two things there. Is that a good way to greet people? You can imagine greeting people like that every day, being greeted like that every day. Not ulush, ulush. Those words should never find their way into your mouth anymore. You can't say that anymore. You can't say that anymore. Words come from our spirits. So, let them be words of blessings. And when you give it out, it will come back to you. Amen? When my children get me angry now, I try to bless them. Children can really get you angry. Really angry. And you know you love them so much. So parents, if you are watching online, when your children get you angry, bless them. So you are blessed in the name of Jesus. May you live up to 120 like Moses. Don't tell them, Luku, Luku, No, don't do that. People who do that, they cut short the lives of their children. Go to verse 12. Jeremiah 29, now go to verse 12. Then shall ye call upon me, 
and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Then verse, the next verse, verse 13. This is it, we are fasting and praying. He said, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with how much of your heart? All. All your heart. All your heart. So this is the season to engage God with all your heart. With all. I beg you, young people, please, reduce your encumbrances. Focus these 15 days on God. We are fasting now. We started two days ago. Today is day three. Maybe you missed day one, day two. Don't miss today. Don't miss the rest of the fast. It's a corporate fast. He said, you shall seek me and find me. I won't be lost to you. You will find me. May you find God. For when you find God, you have found everything you need in life. God is not broke. So what do I want you to do? You say, search for me with all your heart. And is in agreement with that scripture we read earlier, in Jeremiah 30 and verse 21, that says, who is this that engages his heart to approach unto me? Your heart is your spirit. Engage this season with all of your heart. Now what do I want you to do? What I want you to do is what I said earlier. And I'm going to repeat it. Seek deep encounters with Jesus. King Jesus. Seek during this period of fasting. Don't ask for bread and butter. Seek him. Say, Jesus, I want to know you more. I only know a little. I don't even know much. I want to know. Because what you don't know, you don't know. Somebody told Favor. Favor was sharing with me sometime. We traveled together and we're coming. One of these boys who claim that they are very powerful preachers in town. He said, 1 Peter 2.24 is not a healing scripture. The Holy Ghost brought that to my, to my spirit this morning. I just remembered. It wasn't in my notes. He says it's not a healing scripture, right? It's uh, another kind of scripture. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we've been dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. The guy says it's not a healing scripture. You need to avoid such people with, with speed. These are the people that embrace genealogies and old wives' fables. Their duty is to look at the Bible and look for what they can criticize. Listen to older preachers tear down their messages. They don't have any message. Their message is to tear down the messages of other people. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation, not the ministry of criticism. I don't know where their ministry features in the Bible. Can I tell you what the Holy Ghost brought to my spirit? He said, do you know anybody can get healed on Genesis 1-1? Even though it's not a healing scripture, as it were. So what's your problem saying one scripture is a healing scripture, one is not a healing scripture? Is everything not the word of God? Do you believe that you can be reading the genealogies in the Bible? Somebody begat somebody in the book of Numbers. Somebody begat somebody and begat. Somebody begat. 
and a revelation hits you from that and you say, what? I will never die young. And you go on and live long. You can get your healing right there. I just showed you Deuteronomy 34 verse 7. It's not a healing scripture. But it's a healing scripture. Deuteronomy 34 7. Moses was 120 years old. His eyes were not dim. I used that scripture for my eyes. So because I observed that when I turned 40, my eyes began to behave funny. So I went to see a, an optician. And they said, all sorts and all sorts. And. So I went back home. Moses is my vision man. I read very clearly. I, I wear glasses when I want to. And you know what I observed now? It's even disturbing me. Because I read better now without my glasses than with my glasses. When I use my glasses for about 30 minutes, I feel like something is squeezing my eyes. Somebody said one word is not a script, is not a healing scripture. Jesus said, What I say to one, I say to all. Mark 13, 1337 or 1334. What I say to one, I say to all. What I say to one, I say to to all, watch, Mark 13, 37, what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch, what I say to one, I say to all, if one gets a healing from it, all can get a healing from it, if somebody gets what I'm saying this morning, seek encounters, not explanations, seek encounters, not unnecessary, extracurricular, over analysis that leads to paralysis of the word of God. These boys know everything and yet they know nothing. They know the Greek. They know the Aramaic. They know the Hebrew. Papa Hagen that they claim they are following. Papa Hagen said in one of his messages, you can know all the Greek and Aramaic and the Hebrew and yet miss God. God is not understood by the brain. He's, under, he's encountered by the spirit. For God is a spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? And they that must worship him, must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 23 to 24. God is a spirit, not a brain. They explain the Bible by the brain. Jesus said, in response to that, John chapter 6, verse 63. He said, the flesh profited nothing. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The words I speak unto you, therefore, they are spirit and they are life. The flesh profits nothing. All your Aramaic and Hebrew and is as good as studying Chinese. What is Aramaic? What's Hebrew? Thank God if you have that knowledge. But that knowledge is not what you use to explain the Bible. The Holy Ghost is the author of the Bible. He's the one to explain the scripture to you. Line upon line, precept upon precept, line upon line, a little here, a little there. Are you with me this morning? Church, come on. Are you with me this morning? Go to 2 Corinthians 3.6. We are able ministers, not of the letter, but of the spirit. Who has also made us able ministers of the New Testament? 
not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth. The letter does what? The letter does what? But the spirit gives what? Life. The spirit of God has given me life upon life in encounters with the word of God. And I will share some of them with you this morning and then we close. I'm trying to help somebody get encounters. One of the surest ways to have, I've told you to seek encounters with Jesus, with King Jesus, is that right? That's my only point. Now, I'll give you one or two ways. One of the surest ways to have deep encounters with Jesus is through the word. Through the word. Through the word. Through what? Through what? The word. The word. Through the word. Listen, this is how the encounter comes. When you get into the word of God and you begin to meditate on the word, the Holy Ghost comes and lights up the scripture. He turns on the light on that word that you are meditating on and that word gravitates from letter to spirit. It goes from text to pictures. It goes from being read into being encountered. And that's how faith comes. Faith always comes in the place of encounter. How do we have encounter? Get into the word. When you get into the word and the Holy Ghost breathes upon the word and quickens the word to you. Let me give you a very simple explanation. Don't let me use big, big words. Simple explanation. Have you ever read the Bible before and then something jumped at you? A word from that scripture you were reading or meditating on jumped at you. And your eyes open and say, ah, this is me. This is what I've been looking for. I want to see your hands. Anybody here? Glory to God. You know what he just had? Encounter. Encounter is not when there is thunder in the heaven. Oh, oh Lord, you are here. Encounter. No. That was no testament. In the new, it's like turning off the light and then turning it on. Bah! All of a sudden, and then there's light. All of a sudden. The Holy Ghost said to me this morning, what does light do? Among other things, does light bring chairs into an auditorium? Or light shows you the chairs that are present in an auditorium? Come and answer me, church. Don't be afraid. It shows you what you already have in Christ. Light is revelation. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. The moment he flips his finger on a scripture for you, za, your eyes are open. What? This is me. I will never be sick again in my life. I had the testimony of a man who had, at a young age, high blood pressure and uh, hypertension. Of course, that's what they call it when it gets to the advanced stage. His own daughter was one of the doctors in the hospital. So they kept him there. And he was reading a book written by another man of God. And from that book, revelation came. And he got up that day and said, I'm going home. His daughter said, no, dad, I'm a doctor here. You can't go home. It's unethical. He said, I came here by myself. Now, I've told you I'm going home. Discharge me now. This was 1986. Somebody said they met him in 1996. The man was still strong and standing. Revelation. Revelation. 
So seek encounters, not explanations, not useless over explanations of the Bible. Encounters. One word from God can turn your life around. It doesn't matter whether it's Genesis 1 1 or Revelation 21 1. What's wrong with this generation? I'll share my personal story. I've shared it before, I'll share it again. It's my microphone and it's my sermon. Glory be to God. You like it, you don't like it, too late. But I believe this will bless somebody this morning. One day, after service, I had this pain in my tummy. I went to my office and I just lay on the couch. I thought by lying down, you know, normally when, you're, when you have stomachache, your mother was going to lie down. So, our African mothers, all of them are, by default, they are pediatricians. You go to my mommy, you say, you have stomach, you say, go and put water, uh, salt in water, drink it, and go and sleep. You say, you have headache, you say, go and take a fini and a wuro, bitter leaf and scent leaf, mix it together, drink it, go and sleep, you'll be fine. And you go and sleep, you take it, you go, and, you go to bed, you're fine by the time you wake up. So I went to lie down. The pain increased. So I thought maybe I was hungry. I called for my food. My wife sent my food. I ate my food. The pain increased. So I said to them, let's go home. Maybe I need to use the convenience. So we drove home. I drove by force. I got to the house, went to the convenience, did the main job, got out of the place. The pain persisted. In fact, it got worse. At that point, the devil was already working on my mind. That was the time when a friend of mine was having kidney failure. And so we're trying to, we're praying, believing God, raising funds, doing everything. The devil said to me, that's it. It's your turn. One of our medical students in this church had said this to me before, that there is that syndrome that sometimes affects medical students. When they have gone through ward round and they've seen cases upon cases, especially those that are really bad, when they leave the ward, Sometimes they begin to have fake symptoms in their body. It's as if they are now experiencing that same case. Okay, so I have a nurse here. She's nodding her head. I said, so what do you do? She said, ah, pastor, as a believer, I just cast it down. <laughs> I just cast ah, How old am I that I'm having that kind of symptom? Sometimes the person having the symptom is in the 80s or 90s. I don't, I don't even want to ever have it. Moses didn't have it. May you live up to 120 like Moses. So the devil said to me that day, it's your turn. Go and run a test. Your kidneys are failed now. Dum, 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 dum. So I shook my head and I rebuked the devil in the name of Jesus. I went to the bedroom. I tried to lie down on the bed. I could not sleep. When people say, before that time, if I had people say, I tried to sleep, I could not sleep. I tried to sit down, I could not sleep. I said, you're lying. What do you mean? You want to sleep, you can't sleep. You want to sit down. You can either sleep or sit down. That day I experienced it. I tried to sleep, I could not sleep. I tried to sit, I could not sit. So I, I now tried, I left the bed and I went on the floor. Very cold floor. Thinking at least the tiles in my bedroom would succor me, would give me some succor. It got worse. So I stood. 
And I began to use my healing scriptures. I began to say my healing promises. I began to say my healing promises. The pain didn't reduce. Ah! Lord, what do we do now? At that time, my wife and the children already left the apartment. They went downstairs. They left me alone. Maybe I needed space. This was not a matter of space. I needed help. You won't believe me. As I was going down the stairs, I was taking baby steps. Baby steps. I couldn't walk freely anymore. I was taking because I was in excruciating pain. What is this? I just finished preaching two services. The pain started after service. So I wore. Now, before I stepped downstairs, the Holy Spirit said to me, What do healed people do? People who have been healed by God, what do they do? I said, They dress up. And they go out. If they have to go to work, they go to work. They want to play around, they play around. I said, so do same. I was in my singlet, in my underwear. So I got my shorts on that I could, I could wear on the estate. Got on a t-shirt and then wore my slippers. And I was taking baby steps down the stairs. Baby steps down the stairs. About 15 of them in my house. My house is very, is on, the, is on top. My apartment is on top. You know, like Samuel. The Bible says Samuel lived on top. So I like to live on top. Praise God. And the Bible says it shall be above only and not beneath. Amen. So, I got out into the premises of my compound, my house. Then I walked down to the top. We have a top by the wall. And the devil said to me very clearly, this is a good place to die. He said, when you fall down here and die, they will rush out they will turn on the tap and they will try to resuscitate you with the tap. The water will be gushing on your head. The water will be gushing on your head. Now listen, can the Holy Spirit ever say that? Talk to me, church. Can you ever hear that from the Holy Spirit? So I knew instantly this was the devil. And I said to him, you are an idiot. Now for what you have said, I will walk around the house. Because I just wanted to walk to the tap and walk back before. I said, now I will walk around the house. And my compound is big. So I walk around the house. As I walk around, he said, ah, ah, ah. You don't fall down at the back of there. You don't die there. Before, before they know, it's been three hours. They'll be looking for you all over the place. I said, okay, for saying that, I will now get out on the estate and walk around the estate. So I got out. My security man was looking at me. I didn't pay any attention. Just, Oga, I said, how are you? And I got to my gate. I opened the gate. I got out. And I began to walk on the estate. Now listen to me. I got to a point where I could go on a flat road or climb a hill. Guess what I did? I chose the hill. The one that was difficult, I chose it. And as I was going, I just started meditating on the bigness of God. I remembered, and I want Isaiah 40 on the screen from verse 12. I remembered Isaiah 40 from verse 12. I want to help somebody this morning as I close. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Do you know the weight of a mountain? What about the hills in the world? God weighed them in a balance. 
He measured everything. He measured the dust. He measured the waters of the oceans. Next verse. Quickly, please. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or been his counselor has taught him? Who? Have you ever taught God anything? Can I see your hand up? You taught God. God made a mistake, so you taught him. You corrected him. Who can teach God? God, you know, you know, God, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not young again, no. God, are you informing him? God, you know, I'm, 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 I'm so, so, I'm so aged now. God, you know, I have to be on my own, no. I have to, I have to have money, no. I have to marry, no. I have to have children, no. Does God know your age? Please answer me. Stop trying to teach God. There are prayers God does not answer because it's, it's, it's foolishness. We call it prayer, but it's foolishness. Lord, you know, you know how much I need this thing. You know how badly I need it. Lord, you know I need it too. No, he doesn't know you need it. Jesus already said in Matthew 6, your heavenly father knows that you need them before you ask. So why are you rehearsing the problem instead of talking about the solution? Next verse, please. Verse 14. Media, you are blessed. Read with me, everybody. With whom took he counsel? Who advised God? And who instructed him? Can you be his instructor? And taught him in the path of judgment? And taught him knowledge? And showed to him the way of understanding? Lift your hand if you are the professor that taught God. Understanding. People are trying to teach God now. One is not a healing scripture. One is a healing If God likes, he can heal you from Habakkuk 1-1. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. He can use Zephaniah. Zephaniah to, he can use Malachi to heal you. Do you know you can get a healing from Titan scripture? Let us learn to flow with the Holy Spirit. All he needs is just the quickening of one word. One word. And your life is turned around. Next verse. I'll stop at 16. Behold, the nations, the nations are about 270-something, maybe 274. And the territories of the world today as we speak. The nations are as a drop of a bucket. What? And accounted as the small dust of the earth, of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. The nations are as a drop of a bucket. Imagine, now, see my explanation this morning. These are the things that the Holy Ghost does for me when I'm meditating. So I'm trying to pass them on to you. So you can go and do your own meditation and let him give you more thoughts. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? This is how healing comes, prosperity comes, restoration comes, wisdom comes, preservation comes. This is how it comes. God said to me, imagine a bucket full of water. What is a drop? What is a drop compared to a full bucket of water? If you take a drop out, will the bucket cry? Oh, you've taken a significant part of me out. No. The Bible says all of the nations of the earth are like a drop. A drop 
in a bucket. Now, if all these nations, you don't know how wide the nations are, let me give you a little education here. There is no straight flight from Nigeria to Australia. You have to go across nations and territories. It will take you about 24, between 24 to 48 hours to get to Australia. Australia is like the end of the world, from this part of the world. Australia and New Zealand. Now, that is the extreme. You don't appreciate that. If you are flying from Nigeria to Europe, let's say to the UK, for example, it's about six hours plus, six hours plus. In America, if you are flying from California to New York, you'll be flying an ap approximately about eight to nine hours within the U.S. Now, don't even go to Seattle. If you are going to Seattle, it's like you're going somewhere else. Washington State, not Washington, D.C. now. So, if I leave Nigeria and I'm flying to London, and Falaka is in America, she's in California, she's going to New York, I would have gotten to London from Africa to Europe. While she's still in the U.S., in the air, she has extra two and a half hours. Whereas, I would have gone to London, I'd have checked out in the airport, I'd have got home in London, I'd have had my lunch or dinner, I'd have taken my bath. Another person is still in the air within America, America alone. Do you realize that within the United States, there is time difference? They have different time zones, just within the U.S. Don't go to Canada. How wide that place is. America is so wide that I've been told that the state of Texas alone is almost the south of Nigeria. Nigeria is a country. Texas is a state. It's one out of 55 states. Every time I go to that, me, I like that America a lot. Every time I go there, I say, this, this is, it's not United States of America, it's United Countries of America. They are like different countries combined. And that's only one country. Somebody say one. The Bible says, put all of them together. America, Canada, South America, Australasia, all the isles, the Isle of Man in the UK, the Channel Islands, all of them put together. Solomon Island, all of them, put all of them together all over the world, from Africa to Europe to North America to South America to Asia. Asia is another world where you have India and the rest of them, the Middle East. Now to Australasia, which combines Australia and New Zealand. Now to the Antarctica. Put all of them together. You know, when we shout Happy New Year here, there's a country in the world that has actually entered the New Year at least about six hours before we enter the New Year. And America is still behind us. So when we're in church, I say, Happy New Year! It will take them under six hours in America to say, Happy New Year! And in some states, five hours. That's why my American friends, they watch our services. Both this one and the other church. When we are doing crossover. We don't have one here at the crossover yet. What am I saying? Imagine how vast the world is. Look at Nigeria alone. If you are traveling to Meduguri, Meduguri by road, you are, you are talking about an average of 11 to 12 hours. One of our brothers is in church this morning, Emmanuel. Emmanuel was posted to Damaturu. 
He traveled for about 12 hours to get to the Maturu from Ibadan. Now, imagine you are traveling by road to Australia. Some people will just be growing old. They will just be aging. They will be growing old. They will turn 40 on the road. They will celebrate their 50th on the road. Imagine. 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 Imagine you have to cross the oceans by boat. Imagine. By boat, back in the day when they used to travel to the UK by boat, it took an average of 13 to 14 days. UK. You know, airplane does not make you appreciate the distance anymore. Six hours. You land in London. By boat. UK. I don't know how many days America. I don't know. Yet, the Bible says all these nations are like a drop in a bucket. Are you following me this morning? Please follow me very closely. This will help you. Give me the last verse. They are counted as small dust of the balance. Yes. Lebanon is not even sufficient to burn. Nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. Now, I asked myself, I said, Lord, if all the nations are like a drop in a bucket, bless you, baby. All the nations are like a drop. Look at my hand, a drop in a bucket, a drop. All the nations. Then what is the size of Nigeria? Picture that in your mind, everybody. If all the nations are like a drop in a bucket, what could be the size of of Nigeria. Please help me. Let's do this together. I'm closing now. I'm closing now. Let's do this together. Yes. What do you think will be the size of Nigeria? Huh? Come on, give it to me. Give it to me, yeah? It's going to be so wide. Huh? So minuscule. Now, what will be the size of your state? Now, what will be the size of Ibadan? Now, what will be your size? Try to locate yourself in that drop. All the nations, all the nations of the world, all of the nations from Africa to Europe to North America to South America to Australasia to the Antarctica, all of them. A drop. Excuse me, auntie. What will be the size of your body? The body you are using to oppress us. And uncle, the size of your chest. What's your size? So I, I said to myself, what is the size of my body in the whole drop? Now, inside my body, what is the size of that thing that is paining me? That was how I got my healing. So I shifted my focus from myself. I focused on the bigness of God. I said, God, you are so big. You are so massive. From here to America, to Australia, to Europe, is the same sky, the same color. And you fill up everywhere. Your glory is everywhere. You are so big. I can't even run away from you. I'm so small that you might even need a microscope to see me. So what is that pain in my body? It's so small. I was there on that hill, standing on a spot, worshiping God. I stand before God. I lie not. That 
I didn't know the moment that pain left me. All I remembered was that I was walking back home. I was walking more swiftly and I had energy and I was singing praises to God. I got to my house when I remember, ah, I went out in pain. I came back rejoicing. Whatever the diagnosis might have been that day, I don't know. Yeah, you want to celebrate him? Celebrate him this morning. Look, it is my testimony. You have your own. You have your own story. Like I put on my WhatsApp status a few nights ago. Own your story. Own it. It is your journey with God. Don't let any idiot take it away from you. It's your journey with God. Own it. You are the one who knows how God has taken you from step to step to where you are now. Somebody's now telling you that scripture is not a healing scripture. Is that what you need? I wonder what some people will tell Jesus when they face him. I wonder how they are so confusing this young generation. Especially you are students. They are confusing them. They are destroying families. Children don't want to see their parents. One of those parents, concerned parents, told me, she's a pastor. She said that our children are now telling us that communion service is a funeral service. That's what they are teaching them in hyper-grace movement. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord will stop the mouth of the liars. Funeral. Who's funeral? Is Jesus dead? Was it because Jesus said, I will not take it again with you until in the kingdom of my father? Does that make him dead? Is King Jesus not alive and well? Did he not say in Revelation 1, 18, I am he that liveth and was dead and I'm alive forevermore? I beg you, young people, run away from those who have been sent by Satan to confuse you. Run away from them. Run away from them. To them, we, a preacher like me, I don't know Jack in the Bible. I don't know Jack of the And I thank God. I don't know what they know, but I know Jesus. And what you don't know, you don't know. And what you are not willing to learn, you can never know. That's one encounter I've shared with you. I'll share another one. Very briefly. Are you being blessed this morning? I have several of them written down. But I want to pick one so that we stop. Give me Zechariah 4.9. I was feasting on that scripture one day. And the Holy Ghost placed his finger on one word. Zechariah 4.9, please. Let me tell you a bit of my story. So you know where I'm coming from. I like to tell you my stories when, when I preach. Especially as regarding encounters with Jesus, what he has done in my life. I was suffering from the spirit of abortion. Abortion was tormenting my life. 
One year, I wrote jam. I passed very well. And it was time to paste names. I went to this university I applied to. And they said, that week, the list was going to be out. That week, they went on strike. Somehow, somebody had not me, ah, don't worry, your name is going to come out with, uh, no, with what I know. So they went on strike. Then I had this dream that somebody gave me food, and I ate it. I enjoyed the meal very well. I didn't know the significance of that dream to what I was pursuing. Zechariah 4, 9, please, on the screen. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 9. By the time Asu called off strike, the first list came out, my name was not there. Second list came out, my name was not there. Third list came out, my name was not there. Supplementary list came out, my name was not there. People that I knew, my friends, my score was higher, far, far higher than theirs. And I was more eminently qualified. They didn't pick me, they picked them. It became a repeated cycle. I went on to other things. And then, at some point, I began to notice a pattern. That if somebody promised to do something for me, and they could do it, they were well able to do it. If I went to bed and I ate in my dream, that's the end of that promise. The year I placed my finger on it, finally, was the year 2005, 2004. Actually, I began to notice from 2001, 2001, 2002, 2003. Actually, that was the time, yeah, I remember. That was the time senior pastor was shot, and he had to be flown abroad. And so I was having those dreams consistently. Now, I was, in the day, on that very day that he was shot, I came to church, to the back here, where my office is. My office wasn't there at the time. It was a prayer room. I came there alone with my documents to pray. I had gained admission to London Metropolitan University after I had done something else in another university and then I signed out and then I wanted to go abroad. Abortion, abortion, abortion. So I came to pray on my documents. And as I left, I think it was a few minutes after those armed robbers came to church. In the evening, Sunday evening. I had that dream again. I ate in the dream. End of story. I didn't get documents to apply. By the time I got the document, the bank statement, they refused me. Petition upon petition, nothing came out of it. So my life was becoming a cycle of frustrations. I tried again, and I was going to process my visa. So I spoke with one of our brothers. His daughter is here now. She's not in this service. We, we belong to the same ministry. I was in drama. And I asked him for 4,000 naira because I needed to send my documents by courier to London the next day. I didn't have the 4,000 naira. So he said to me, ah, bro, friend, 4K? Ah, come to my house tomorrow, Jare. Ah, what nonsense? Ah, 4K. I beg, come and take it. to. I'll give you five tomorrow morning. I said, okay, thank you very much, sir. Because I'd spent all the money I had and I was down to nothing. That night, I went to bed. They brought the food again. I ate it. The kind of eating that by the time you wake up in the morning, you'll be belching. <laughs> you know that you, you really ate to satisfaction. The only thing they didn't bring was toothpick. 
and it pained me. Because sometimes you wake up in the morning and think, you'll be belching. Long story short, I got to his house in Budija to collect my promised 4,000 naira or five. I didn't get one naira. Ah, uh, bro, Fred, I'm sorry. Uh, in fact, my way home last night, something happened, and I had to buy something for my daughter. I'm sorry, some other time. That day, I came to the conclusion that I want to get me. Ah, ah, that day I told myself, ah, this is what they are doing me. Ah, they are sitting on my case. 4,000 naira! God helping me, I was able to nail down the dream. That how come? Now listen, if I didn't have any major project in my life, I would never have that dream. But the moment I was doing something, something that would advance me, something that would make my life better, that dream would come and that would be the end of that thing. So I came to see the pastor deputizing for the senior pastor. Senior pastor was away in England. He was even expecting me. I called him. Those were the days you go to a business center to call. Hello, Fred, how are you? Have you got your visa? I started crying. Pastor, I called to ask about your leg. You're asking about my visa. You still remember my visa? What kind of pastor is this one? You saw a lot of people? So I came to the pastor that was deputizing for him. I said, sir, he said, yes. I need deliverance. He said, why? I said, sir, I know it like the back of my hands. That every time I have something big coming my way, and I go to bed, and I eat in my dream, that's the end of it, it will be aborted. He said, what? I said, yes, sir. It's not what, it's yes, sir. He said, come on. See me this Friday by the grace of God. All night, we shall break that yoke. I said, amen. Came to the all night Friday. My eyes were wide open. It's not a night to come and be. You do those care. May you not sleep the sleep of death. My eyes were open. Pastor, minister, minister, minister. You forgot my case. Can you see how they got me now? This Konkolomi, I had processed admission, foreign admission, and visas for my friends. The first of them left on the 20th of September, 2002, from Mokola here. He left for the University of Portsmouth in the UK. God used me to process from the admission to the visa. Two of them later left for Manchester. Another one left for Portsmouth. Or Southampton. Neil. But when it came to my turn, to do for myself. The moment I had that dream, forget it. They refused me. Pastor forgot to do deliverance. I went to him after service. Sir, you forgot me. You didn't come. Ah! Oh, okay, 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 okay. Next time. Maybe this Friday. 2003-2004. Well, see what the Lord did for me. This is where I stopped, finally. I want you to get something, please. Get it. Your deliverance is not on one mountain. It's not in one valley. It's not in one church. It's not in one pastor. Your deliverance is in your encounter with King Jesus by the word. 
By the word. Deliverance can happen on your bed at home. Can I have an amen to that? I was feasting in the year 2004. I was feasting on the word of God. Late 2004. And I stumbled on Zechariah 4.9. <laughs> I stumbled on it. And I read, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. I didn't read the rest anymore. The Holy Ghost turned on the light on the word finish. I shouted, My God! This is me. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. Ah! Holy Ghost, you have been sent to me. This is my life. This is me. This is me. I saw the word finish. What was my problem? Finish. I could start anything. But to finish was the problem. Somebody will make a promise. But to finish the promise, problem. I will start a course. To finish that course, I will jump into another course. I will pick a book and be reading it. Oh, I'll be enjoying chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. I'll just lose interest. Drop it. Open another one. This one will be more interesting. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter, up to chapter 7. Just chapter 8, 9, 10 to finish. Drop it. It was a pattern in my life. It went beyond my academics into other areas of my life. I said, ah, okay. I now saw that it was always attached to that dream. They will bring the food, I will eat it. When I saw the word finish, this was by the finger of the Holy Spirit. The revelation dawned on me and I went up by revelation. Galatians 2.2, Paul the apostle said, I went up by revelation. Revelation helps you to change level because it will show you the next step to take. You are like a Christian on the staircase and there is no light. You don't know what next step to take. But the moment somebody turns on the light, you see the old stairs. Am I right about that? And then you take the next step and then the next step. I went up by revelation. I caught the light of that scripture. And I said, no more abortion in my life. I stand before God and I lie not. No pastor, not even senior pastor, no pastor laid hands on me to break that yoke. That yoke was destroyed by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In a place of encounter in the world. It was not a special service. It was not encounter night. It was an encounter afternoon in my house, on my bed, bed. The bed that my parents brought from the north. Metallic bed. That one that was always making noise. I'll be shaking. It has springs. I was on that bed. When I saw the light. Zechariah 4.9. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. The same hands shall also finish it. Ah. So whatever I start with my hands. I will finish with my hands. I pray for you today. Watching online or on site. Whatever project God has started in your life, his hands will also accomplish it in your life in the name of Jesus. Did I have the dream again? Yes. That's the way the devil operates. It's like the goat of the beast market. After you got the revelation, what do you do? Go into war, warfare. 
So I started praying, standing on that one scripture. I will pray that one scripture for hours. I prayed like no man's business. Prayed in the night, prayed during the day, prayed anytime I had the opportunity. Then, in 2005, God opened the door for me to have UK education. To have it locally. But everything, mater course materials, exams, projects will come from the UK. And in 2005, I started my relationship with my wife. I was 25 years old. And I told her my story. Those of you that engage with people who are complete strangers, you don't even know their story, you don't know where they're coming from. May you receive common sense in Jesus' name. I told her where I was coming from. Whoa! This is the demon I've been fighting. She said, eh, so that you know how to pray. What's your own? So that means I will know how to pray. And men, we engaged in prayer. We engaged. Today, you start a relationship one day. The next, in fact, that day you kiss. <laughs> one week after, you're already having sex. May you receive Bible sense in Jesus' name. Somebody say, what do we do? Pastor, in a religion of three years, four years, what are we going to be doing? Engage. Engage with God. You are still traveling far. What is sex? You'll be tired of sex. You have it so much, you'll be tired. She will bring it, you will run. He will bring it, you will run. He said, ah, you want to kill me? I want to rest, oh. Sometimes for two weeks, everybody is sleeping. You're your We both come back, we are tired like logs of wood. In fact, I sleep with my back, my back like she, she's behind me, behind. When I, when I try to look at her, she's in another room. I said, this one, if you now wake this one up, now I say, Alpha, let's do something. Ah, you want to kill somebody? Calm down. Let me tell the neighbor, say, calm down, calm down, calm down. That's why your parents, we go for couples retreats. You know why? To rekindle the fire. Because you will be tired. You'll be tired. All of your head now. Sex, sex, sex. So you're thinking, Jesus, don't come yet. Oh, I want to marry. Oh, I want to have sex. So don't come yet. Oh, after my wedding, two weeks after you can come. You'll be tired. Uh, Pastor, let's do it first. We'll now know whether we are tired or not. <laughs> I know. I know how you're thinking. I entered your mind. I know because I was there to meet. I prayed that way. I said, Jesus, no, no. Jesus, come, but don't come yet. After, after I've married. Then after you're married, you say, Jesus, please, can you come now? Come, Lord Jesus, and take your place today. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I told her, we engaged in prayer. One day we were praying upstairs, the first floor here. Towards our wedding, we held hands praying. We fell down from the intensity of prayer. We didn't get up. We continued praying on the floor. I'll never forget that day. And something broke that day. We still had a bill of 250000 to go. That day, we went to give somebody an IV. The person who challenged me, look at you, you are getting married. I'm hearing from church. You won't give me IV? I said, ah, I'm sorry, sir. How many people do you remember to give Ivy? So before we went there, we prayed. We fell down. We continued to pray. 
in the Holy Ghost, oh, we, do one, we are not praying. Lord, let him give us money. He should give us money. Oh. No. Go to his office. I got the largest check. Nobody had ever given me 100,000 before that day. 100,000. Check. That was like 1 million. 2010. The whole budget for feeding people, for feeding 1,000 people at that wedding was 250,000. Somebody gave me a single check of 100,000. Same week, one of my uncles that was trained by my father, my mom told him, he said, ah, Aki, why would you call me now? You didn't even tell me that you were going to be. I said, uncle, don't worry, don't vex, no vex, no vex, no vex. Send me your account number. That day we were going to have Bible study. It was a Thursday. Expressionless Bible study upstairs. I sent him my account number. Under one hour, alert entered. When it entered, I said, no, I didn't see very well. I didn't have glasses. I checked. It looked like 10,000. It first of all looked like 1,000. Then it looked like 10. It was another 100,000. I didn't call him. I said, no. It was a mistake. Nah, no. No, no. Ah, no, no. Maybe, maybe my wife needs to see this. He called me and said, hello, Akia, sir. He said, have you checked your, uh, have you got the alert? I said, what alert? What alert was from what Peter? I said, I sent him. It's Peter. He worked with me in the office. I sent him to, to credit you. I said, eh, sir, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. That's hello, hello, hello. I said, I said, sir, sir. He said, did you see the amount? I said, I'm trying to understand the amount, sir. He said, I sent you 100,000. I didn't know whether to pray for him or to curse him. No when you're overexcited sometimes. You're like, God will bless you. He's going to go curse you. <laughs> Out of 250, what do you mean? Somebody from Lagos sent 50K. No solicitation. No, please, uncle, come and help us. We are getting married. They'll say, they will send you. If you know that you cannot marry, why are you now calling everybody together? I spoke with God. After that yoke had been destroyed. After that yoke had been destroyed. That time, when God opened the door for UK education, I was going to tell you that. That was 2005. I had the dream again. But because of revelation in my spirit, because of the encounter I had with Christ, I did not fret. Let me tell you my prayer. As I woke up in the morning, I said, Father, I thank you today. They brought Amala last night and a wedu, they forgot to put begiri. Lord, I thank you because I ate it and I enjoyed ah, enjoy the beef. The beef they put inside had fat. Ora. It was very sweet. I said, Lord, tonight let me tell them if they, can, if they cannot hear. I would prefer pounded yam. I'm from Undo State. With a foriru. The one that has crayfish and momo inside. They must not forget to put cold water and toothpick. They should bring it along. I said, this food will nourish my body and it will have no impact on my destiny. I was surprised when I had the guest minister during Dunami saying something like that. I'd never had it in my life. I was the one that told God. I never had it preached. I told God. They did not bring it that night. Oh. They said, come on. Witches and wizards. We have started wasting our resources. The following week, they did bring, I prayed again, Lord, as I'm going to bed tonight, I would like to have suya. In my dream, they won't garnish with onions and tomatoes. They did not bring it. That was how they stopped bringing it. 
Years later, they brought it again. I ate it. I woke up. I said, Lord, I thank you. It was very tasty and delicious. Oh my God, it has nourished my body. It has no impact on my destiny. Father, I bless you. They can bring more. Everything I've started since then in my life, I have, God has helped me to accomplish. Seek deep encounters in the world during these fasting and prayer season. Deep encounters in the world. When you have an encounter, faith comes because Jesus speaks to you. When faith comes, unbelief is driven out. This kind goeth not out. This kind of unbelief goeth not out. But by prayer and fasting. When you pray and fast and you feed on the word of God, faith comes. When faith comes, then you can change your situation. Can I have an amen to that? The Lord bless you. Stand on your feet, everybody.